It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. just me but that open bumper sounded awfully loud tonight crystal clear this is careless whispers it's clns media my name is matt rory i hope everybody had a nice fourth of july holiday calvin i hope you celebrated the fourth in a in a festive manner and um i just that's the reason we were off last week a pretty rare fourth of july tuesday fell right on our show and a lot has happened since we've spoken on the air here uh in the nba in particular Calvin Chamberlain, my co-host as always. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, Ray. How how are you doing? You want you want to start off with the music? I mean, I don't know what kind of mood you're in right now, but maybe, maybe you're in a good. I mean, it's been two weeks. Maybe maybe the the, the furor over uh, getting Gordon Hayward has died down, but uh, but maybe the furor over getting Gordon Hayward. So, Calvin, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not sure what kind of a mood I'm in to talk about the NBA right now. To be honest with you. Uh, my, my head is, is in a pretty good place. It feels good about the Celtics. I think they're going to be a pretty good team, but my heart and soul has, has left Calvin. My heart and soul is gone. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I can't follow my heart and soul to Detroit because that is a terrible place. As far as I know, I've never been there and I don't want to go. My heart and soul, of course on the basketball court is, is Avery Bradley. And I just, I, I had a horrible day when he was traded, Calvin. It was, it was a horrible day. There were, everything was going wrong that day. And then I heard about that and it just made everything even worse. And I was, I was just depressed all day. Ask anybody I know. It's a sad, a sad situation. Huh. So are we, are we starting with that part of it, or are we starting with the Gordon Hayward part? Now, now you have me all over the place, man. I just, I don't you know asked me how I was now. doing, and I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I decided to go off a little bit. It's we all... can start with Gordon Hayward because that's a positive, and I won't be so depressed to start the show unless that's what you were trying to get out of me. What depression? No, I, I've never tried to get depression out of you, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like the joyful, happy Ray. That's why I, I asked for the music, man. I don't know what else you want from me. I don't know how much more celebratory I can get than asking demanding music. Well, but, uh, I just that's, that's, that was just my reaction to start the show. We can we can start with the, the big stuff though. We can start from the top. Yeah. 
All right, so uh, you know, if, if things things were looking, uh, shall we say, a little a little on the dicey side for the Celtics at, at one point in this offseason, right? I mean, uh, sort of you know, moves were happening around the NPA. The Celtics weren't really a part of any of them, and it, it sort of felt like uh, Paul George was traded uh, before the Celtics got Gordon Hayward. Uh, we'll get to the Paul George uh, side of with the Celtics when we get to the George trade. But, uh, yeah, so Celtics fans were sort of, you know, feeling, getting a little nervous about, uh, you know, how much this team's really going to improve in the offseason, like are they going to fail and all their plans. Gordon Haywood supposedly uh, started looking really closely at Miami, and, it, like, there were, there were reports that Miami was the favorite at one point over the weekend. Did you buy any of that? Did you buy any of that? Because, honestly, I was, I, I was not deterred about Gordon Haywood one bit by any of that. I was confident the entire time – that that he was going to come to the Celtics if he wanted to win. Uh, however, I thought overall he was going to stay at, at home in Utah because that's where his family was and that's where uh, he could make the most money. Even though technically it's not a ton more, but I I expected him to stay in Utah. But if he but with the caveat that if he wanted to have the best chance of winning, he was going to come to Boston. So overall, my thought was that he didn't necessarily care about the winning aspect. I was wrong on that. And I'm happy that I'm wrong on that because I'm glad he's here. Uh, but I, I, I didn't suspect Miami for a second. If he chose Miami over both, both of those other situations, Utah and Boston, he would be a fool, a complete and utter fool. <laughs> and I think that Miami was, was just there to show the other two teams that there actually was interest out there. So Danny Ainge couldn't lowball him or something like that. Utah obviously wouldn't do that, but I, I just, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm reading too far into it, but I think that my, the Miami situation is somewhat of a joke down there. So uh, he made the right decision, uh, and there was only one wrong decision, in my opinion, because Utah would have been a, a correct decision on his part as well. I don't, I don't believe that the interest was fake from Miami thing. I mean, I think Miami was trying to get a match. No, 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 of course not. I think interest was, was fake from his point of view. If somebody thought that it was saying that he, that they were the clear favorites just to start the process, I didn't believe uh, any of that for a second. I mean, I, I definitely think that in, in retrospect, uh, what, what you're saying has some merit, but I, I was a little bit skeptical at the time. And I've been skeptical of, of a lot of things being leaked out to the press and, in, including uh, the Celtics part and in, in the, the Celtics supposed offer for, for Paul George, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, um, yeah, I was also skeptical when that report released because the, the driving force behind it was that, like, uh, supposedly Haywood was, like, really impressed with Spolstra. But the thing is, is, like, if the, the, main, the main driving force behind him going to Boston in the first place, like, the idea was his relationship with Brad Stevens. So I find right. it hard to believe that he would be He'd be so impressed with Eric Spolstra and their meeting, no. uh, as opposed to like Nobody the guy really. who's been his coach like since high school. That, that like that that was the element that was going to swing him to Miami. If if the reports were like uh, he just really doesn't want to live in Boston, then you know what I mean. Then maybe I could like be like, well, I can understand that argument. But the the argument they were making for like why he was interested in Miami, I don't, it just you're right. It seemed it seemed a little. Uh, like one of those reports that somebody in the Miami organization leaked out. Mm-hmm. Yep. It didn't seem, yeah. I, I just, I didn't buy into the fact that he would ever go to Miami. I thought it was Boston or, or Utah. And I thought that Utah had the advantage. So uh, I was wrong in that regard. And I'm, like I said, I'm happy that I was. Um, so overall, why would Utah, why would Utah, why would Utah have, Utah the, have advantage? the advantage? Though? 
yeah, I kind of feel bad for Utah the same way I feel bad for Oklahoma City. Uh, just sure. Not because, well, of Paul, not because of the Paul George trade, but just in general as an NBA destination. Because I'm just like, okay, they had Stockton and Malone, right? But, like, like Carl Malone left in, you know, 2001. And since then, they really haven't had a star, like, want to stay past uh, their unrestricted free agency contract. You know, Karen right. Williams wanted to leave. Uh, Carlos Boozer, whatever you want to say about him, was sort of a star at the time, wanted to leave. Uh, Gordon Hayward is, is the version of that. I don't know how good you actually think Gordon Hayward is, and that's an interesting uh, topic of conversation we can get into a little bit. But I, like, if you're the Jazz, you really don't have anyone ever ever staying with your organization. Like, Gobert's probably next in line, right? I mean, if you're Gobert, do you really want to stay with this team? I, I realize they just traded for Rubio, um, you know, who who knows how long he'll stay, but it's not like Rubio's a star. I don't know. I just feel bad for teams in this situation. Yeah, I mean, I I just I feel like he was there for seven years. You know, uh, he has had built up a, a family there, even though his, his son is pretty young. But um, it just it seemed like the whole money situation. Just even though it's not a ton more comparatively I just thought that, that they would have had the advantage just because it's easier to stay where you are than to move on somewhere but uh, obviously he wants to, to have a, a better chance of winning he w- wants to be coached by Brad Stevens again and Boston is is a, is a good spot as far as playing with talented players are concerned because they have a former all, all-star in Al Horford on their team and they have a MVP vote getter in Isaiah Thomas. You can't say that about the Utah jazz. So as far as all that is concerned, sounds like I'm saying Boston had was the better place to go. And as far as winning is concerned, it definitely is. Uh, I just thought that Utah would have had the advantage because they were the hometown team. And I thought that he was kind of a hometown guy, but I guess and not his not his growing up hometown. I just mean his first NBA stop. I thought that he he might stick around there. He did not. So listen, Utah is. It, I, I think they have a talented team, especially now that they got Rubio. I think that they can still be a, a playoff team. And they, I don't know if they're going to win 50 games again, but um, I can. I still think that they will make the playoffs this year and be formidable because Gobert. It seems to be on a mission here to prove everybody wrong. We'll see about that. But overall, the Hayward thing is great, right? It's excellent. It's it, the Celtics improved just by by that token. They could have lost a, a couple other players on this team, along with Avery Bradley, and uh, Gordon Hayward would have more than made up for that in an overall sense. Okay, so then, so where are you at on this, Gordon? On obviously, you're, you're you know happy you signed the deal. But where are you at on Gordon Hayward as as a player overall? Um, there was this interesting notion that uh, with the with the leaving of Paul George and, and Jimmy Butler to the Western Conference, on ESPN's list of the top 15 players, 14 of them are now in the West. Um, everyone basically, other than LeBron James, is now in the Western Conference. Does that not that those two were like on teams that were liable to sort of compete with the Celtics next year anyway, but do you think do you think Hayward is enough if not to compete with the Warriors? Like, would you? How, how would just just going to the season? How would you like? 
think about their chances against a team like the Cavaliers. Well, um, I was just saying to a coworker earlier today that I'm shocked that Cleveland hasn't done anything really, right? I, I mean, I'm gonna I'll pull up their their team right here uh, just to make sure that I'm not lying about that, but I'm pretty sure that they haven't done anything in the off season. So uh, while, wrong. while I don't know if the Calderon. Celtics Calderon, please, um, I'm. Uh, we, we can get the Calder on for about five seconds. <laughs> but I, I think that the Celtics have gotten closer to Cleveland with this Hayward stuff. And I like the addition of Marcus Morris, actually, because I think that he's going to be a, a guy that can actually guard LeBron James at times. So they're going to rely on Crowder to do that as well. And who knows, maybe some Marcus Smart guarding LeBron in a series like that. But I think Morris will come in handy there. Um, and if they need size against that team, I think, the, the signing of Baines is going to help. So the Celtics have gotten closer to Cleveland, and this is kind of cliche, but and a lot of people are saying it, so it's not an original thought necessarily, but I agree with it. They also have, have sort of separated themselves from Toronto and certainly separated themselves from the Washington Wizards. So that, that puts them in a pretty good spot, and it's just a matter of – how well the pieces around LeBron play this coming season as to whether or not the Celtics will be able to beat Cleveland in a playoff series, because overall I'm, I'm still not sold on it, but I think that they have a better chance than anybody else in the Eastern conference. It's interesting what trading Avery Bradley does to sort of this lineup, right? Because the Celtics are going to look dramatically different in their, in their starting lineup next season because, because, okay, they, they traded Avery Bradley uh, for Marcus Morris. Um, let's, just, let's just get to the Avery Bradley trade now because it's sort of connected to uh, this scenario. Obviously, you know, the, the, we knew like one of those guys was going to have to be traded, and there, there's the notion that Avery Bradley is going to be a free agent after next season. There's sort of not really a way they could have brought him back and paid Isaiah Thomas after next season. Right? We've talked about this part aspect of it many times. So you can say, okay, the handwriting was on the on the wall with, with Bradley, although in a sense it maybe it wasn't because Jay Crowder almost got shipped to Utah to, to get Gordon Haywood out of the and first of all, to connect this to to Haywood, do you do you like hold out any sort of uh, amount of res, uh, resentment for Gordon Haywood for like just if he had taken, you know, one million less than the max, then yes. uh, you you know, the Celtics wouldn't have had to do this move in the first place. I've seen some. Yes, some a little bit. Like, <laughs> I do. I that that thought does cross my mind. And I, while I, I understand he wants to get paid, everybody wants to get paid, but he's kind of having his cake and eating it too, right? He came to win, but he's also getting, making sure that he gets the most money that he can, and maybe sacrificing a little bit of the team's ability to win along with that, because I, I feel like having Bradley here would have been a better situation than what they're in right now. And maybe Ainge wouldn't have been able to get anything for Bradley uh, in return going, going forward. Maybe he, they would have had to just let him walk away, uh, but they could have gone over the, the luxury tax line and the, and the salary cap to pay him next year if it came to that. So if he had a monster season for the Celtics and he deserved it and they wanted to keep him around, then, 
maybe the ownership would decide that they would pay that extra tax and, and keep the team together, how, depending on how far they went, right? So I, I, I just feel like they're, they would have had a better shot with, with Bradley and being able to ship off some of those lesser pieces or wave some guys or, or what have you to make up the difference. Uh, instead, Hayward gets paid and he comes to a place that has, gives him the best chance to win. So I, I don't like that he's kind of playing both sides of it, but I don't blame him for that either because everybody deserves to get paid as much as they can. Yeah. I I get what I get what you're saying. Like I, I, I sort of see both sides of it as well. I, I, I think that like you you're right. Especially he doesn't he doesn't owe the Celtics anything because they're his new team and they and they're the ones who sort of made the max offer to him before they had max cap space. <laughs> so like from from that perspective, I don't I don't know. I'm guessing they didn't uh, go to him and say, look, like we're we're a million short. Is there any like they probably didn't want to upset the apple cart with him and make sure. sure like that idea never even came up. So it might be it might be a little unfair to like place it on his shoulders in terms of of greed and, and not not being willing to take less because it, it, yeah it probably yeah maybe it wasn't offered and if it was if it wasn't if they didn't suggest it then I mean the player's certainly not going to suggest it I'm not going to go in there and yeah. say hey I'll take a hometown discount it's not my hometown you know yeah and you can't you you also can't blame them for not suggesting it because like why you when he especially when he hasn't made his decision yet you're not going to put him in a situation where like. He's he's going. Oh well, they're just not offering you. So now you're giving him another reason to to stay at home in Utah when he he might be fifty fifty on that anyway, right? So I I really can't blame either side on this. I get it. Just it just feels kind of crappy that it's like over such a small amount they essentially had to trade Avery Bradley. But I again I I think in the long run they were sort of going to have to trade Avery Bradley anyway or let him walk after next season. Right. Um, or, or or try to resign him and let Isaiah walk. You know you know my thoughts on that, but mm-hmm. it, just, it doesn't seem like that's their 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 preference doesn't seem to be to, to let Isaiah walk right now. So uh, or maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know anything with age, but um, they wanted to let someone go. It looked like for a moment it was going to be Crowder, and I think Celtics fans probably would have found that more palatable. Or I don't, I don't know. The question is is well, would you have been would you have been happier getting rid of Crowder? Uh, you know, and taking on a player with less value than Morris in exchange in, in just signing Gordon Hayward and sort of having that be the, 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 the price to clear that cap? Or do you do you like the fact that you traded Bradley, who you probably like better than Crowder, in exchange for, you know, getting a guy like Morris back who can be valuable? Well, I'm not going to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I, I just criticized Gordon Hayward slash the Celtics for, for allowing him to have both money and the chance to win. So uh, I, I would, I would be a fool to, to say that trading away Crowder would be something that high on my list because I've been touting his contract as one of the best contracts in the league for the last two years. And I still, I still feel that way as far as value is concerned for what he gives you on the court. So trading him wouldn't have been easy either. Uh, and I do like the fact that they were able to get Marcus Morris back but for this current season, I think having Bradley instead of Crowder would would make this team better. He's just a better player all around. Yeah, I think he fit he fit the system a little bit better. But you know what? Crowder gets the job done, and it, I think Ainge just loves his contract. And at, at first, I thought that it, it was going to be a, a commodity to be able to trade. 
that contract because people would want it, but the salaries are going up so much. It, it's, it's almost as if it, it's not going to help anybody reach the floor or, or what, or whatever. So they don't value the contract as much as I expected them to, but the Celtics still get production out of him and are able to add players around that contract. So it makes sense that they kept him. I just, I feel like the product on the floor this year would be better with Avery Bradley. But again, the problem is what happens after this year. This is the beauty of Danny Ainge. And if Ty Ray was listening right now, he would call in and, and salute me for saying this because everybody questions Danny Ainge and they question what he does and, and all this stuff. He, he always ends up seeming to have, have gotten, uh, not always, but oftentimes ends up seeming to have put the team in a better position for the, the next few years, not just the next year or two. So I think that he's done that here. He's given them more flexibility in the next few, like three to four years. He's going to give the younger guys that they have a chance to play and earn their spot on the roster and maybe give themselves a little bit more value. And I think that it's, it's a bigger picture thing that he has done here. And a lot of people are very short-sighted and they don't, they don't see that bigger picture. I, I see it. It just hurts. You know, it's a, it's a painful situation because I love the player. I thought he was, he was, he was my favorite player on the team. Now I can't even decide who my favorite player should be. So um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But it's, it's the uh, same thing, Calvin. I, I even think that, I even think that Danny Ainge, hold on a second. I, I even think that Danny Ainge had foresight as to the Brooklyn Nets not being as bad as people expected them to be this year, which is why he went out, uh, part of the reason why he went out and got that Lakers pick because he – is thinking the Lakers are going to be worse than the Nets, so I'd rather have their pick than the Brooklyn pick that he has next year. Everybody thinks that's going to be a lottery pick, but Brooklyn doesn't look horrible right now. That, that's an interesting uh, thought that the, the Lakers might be worse than the Nets. Uh, the Lakers actually the, uh, the the odds for next year in Vegas came out. The Lakers are like they're like eighth. And anyway, the Nets are still at the bottom. Uh, but I do, I, I do sort of like the, the moves they're making. But I feel like the more long-term moves, the short-term moves. But yes, let, let me let me ask you let me ask you about this Danny Ainge quote that he uh, made about uh, let's, let's get into the yeah the, the Bradley trade itself. Yeah, I I like Marcus Morris. Uh, I don't like him as much as Markeith, but like I like him on this team because he's gritty, right? And the, the Celtics are sort of uh, yeah they 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 looked grittier than the Wizards. I I will give them that. But I I, I think that. Um, outside of smart, they like and, and I guess Bradley too. Like you, I don't know. You like they could always use some more hard nosed big, big, bigs. And I guess you don't yeah, really of course. think of more. You don't they really were soft more front. Big Horford is. Hey, I yeah. love. Hey, I love what Horford does on the court. He makes things a lot easier for everyone. But he's one of the softer big men in the league. He's not as aggressive as he needs to be. And I, by soft, I, I mean mentally. Like I just said, he's not as aggressive on the court as I think that he should right. be with his talent. And you could say the same thing. Uh, you could say the same thing about Jay Crowder sometimes, right? I mean, the Jay Crowder of a couple of years ago, sure, but like the Jay Crowder of this season, not, not necessarily the animal like in terms yeah. of aggression that we had seen in previous right. seasons. And, and anyway, let's not even uh, get into Kelly Olynyk, Jonas Jerebko. Those are right. the other big men that they were trotting out there. Tyler Zeller, already with just a couple of signings that they've made here, and the trade, they are much tougher up front, and that's going to make a big difference in a series against a team like Cleveland. Yes, yeah, so so Danny Ainge's uh, statement was a 
apparently that it wasn't just cap space for why they traded Bradley, but they said they have an abundance of guys they think can play the two, including Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Rozier, Smart, and Gordon Hayward. So we have a lot of guys in that position, he says. We were thin more at the 3-4. So, so from that standpoint, it makes sense to bring in Morris. But I don't, I don't really understand that statement because I sort of feel like the opposite. All of those guys that he mentioned, like to my mind, are are more threes. Like Jason, yeah. like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier is the one guy, right? Marcus Smart, yeah. even he, he he's just a smaller three. Like in in Gordon Hayward, all of those guys, especially like the positionless basketball is, is what it is. Two three, the subtle. That's difference. what they're doing. Really talk- yeah, I'm right. not really talking about. I'm not, I'm not really talking about offensively. But the thing about Avery Bradley is, is he's the guy who defends the Kyrie Irvings of the world, the small, quick guards. Right. I know exactly. I, I look at that list of yeah. I look at like that that list of guys, and like I said, other, other than Rozier, who you know his defense came on in the playoffs, but like was not really a, a great defender to my mind be, before near the end of the season at least. Who knows how that that'll translate? All those other guys. Like, even Marcus Smart, who is a great defender, Marcus Smart can't really defend point guards that well. Yeah. Who, who is the so, guy? You know, you know what this tells me? And this is uh, the bigger picture on this is that Isaiah Thomas is going to get a max deal from the Boston Celtics or close to one in, or next year. But this tells me that Danny Ainge is finally pushing the, the, the issue. Um, and he's found a coach that agrees with the issue that he has, is, has been wanting to have his entire life in that it's going to be a team that is big, athletic, that can shoot the ball, they can get up and down the court, and they're probably not going to defend a lick. And they're going to try and outscore everybody every night. And if it comes down to a one-possession game and Kyrie Irving is going to shake and bake somebody, well, guess what? Cleveland is probably going to win that game 60% of the time because that's what I would say Kyrie Irving is – if he's going up against Isaiah Thomas or even Marcus Smart for that matter, 50 to 60% of the time, he's going to, he's going to hit that shot. So, uh, but overall, I think that they're going for the look that Ainge has been asking for his entire career, basically, since he was with the Suns, this is the game he loves. He wants them to run and gun up and down the court. He wants them to score 150 points. And as long as they win the game, I don't think that he's going to care a whole lot. Uh, about defense, and that's that's kind of the way it's looking to me because Gordon Hayward, solid defender, but not a great defender. So who's their who's their best defender right now on the team? It's Marcus Smart, right? It's Marcus Smart, yeah. Or Horford. And Horford after that, different type of defender, but Horford, Smart or Horford? I mean, they do different. Horford's more of a, yeah. of a team defender, but he 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 has an right. you know, argument for overall defensive but, value. Sure. But Horford's not going to guard Kyrie Irving either. He's not going to guard Kevin Durant. No. He's not, I mean, nothing like that. He's a team, he's a no. team help defender. And that's maybe that's part of the reason that they're going in this direction as well, because Horford is such a good team help defender. They're going to line it up with a bunch of guys that can get up and down the court. And if they get blown by on defense, they, they're going to trust their big men in Horford, Zizic, Baines, and now maybe Morris will get in on, on that grit. I just I feel like you're going to see a different type of, of defense from the Celtics this year. There's going to be a lot more uh, of collapsing and letting guys get into the paint, just, just the way things seem to be shaping up because they're, they're not going to have a stopper on the wing. Is it Zizic? I've been pronouncing it Zizic the entire time. I, guess I don't know. I, I, I don't know I, how to I've only, it. On, I've only seen it on paper, so, uh, yeah, I had no idea. Uh, it's probably Zizic, or 
I'll get it by the time the season rolls around. The, the point is that he's going to yeah, be yeah. a guy that they're going to re- hopefully rely on to be tougher Ooh, than that. Tyler Zeller, you know? Yeah, probably slower than Tyler Zeller as well. But uh, well, yeah, I guess I said we'd get into summer league next week. But uh, yes. yeah, so my I, I guess I guess I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand in in that scenario you're describing. The thing about Avery Bradley is he's sort of the perfect guy to pair with Isaiah Thomas. In fact, I, I got in this argument with uh, somebody in, in I think it was an email or something. I can't, I can't remember what it was, but I, I ended up looking at at uh, oh it was it was about Avery Bradley's uh, all defense snub and his, how his defensive numbers didn't look good, and they tried to make the argument like the Celtics played in a lot of three guard lineups, but Bradley didn't play in that many three guard lineups because essentially. When Isaiah Thomas has been on the floor this season, like Bradley has been, Bradley has been with him basically the entire time, or to a lesser extent, Smart. But like the majority of his minutes have been like with in with Amir Johnson as well. Uh, like somehow the, their starters' minutes had all been paired together, and in Bradley's minutes were synced with Isaiah. Isaiah played some minutes with Smart, but my my question is is like the Kyrie Irvings of the world. I don't. He, he sort of is protection for Isaiah's defense, Bradley, is because he can defend those smaller guys. As good as Smart is, I wouldn't want Smart on Kyrie Irving for an entire game, right? So I, I don't know. Right. Do you think Rozier ends up being a starter and Smart continues to come off the bench this season? Or would you, <laughs> I, or, I don't know. Or, I think we're gonna, you're going to see a lot of different starting lineups from this team. I think Stevens is going to tinker around and he's going to try and play the matchups. And I've been saying this for a couple of years, and he always tends to try and stick with the starting lineup. But I think that was more out of respect for uh, Amir Johnson than anybody else because he's a veteran uh, and he is a guy that has been, has been around. He's paid his dues, and I think Stevens respects that. So when you look around this roster, you don't really have a guy like that that's going to step in and be that always starting center unless you think it's Aaron Baines who hasn't really played a whole lot in his career up to this point. So – you're obviously looking at Isaiah and Horford and Hayward uh, and probably Crowder, right? And after that, oh, you think so? I think Crowder will you probably Crowder start, starts. but after that, I'm not. I'm not really sure who it's going to be. That's where it's oh, wide then, open, then, and where somebody needs to step well, no, in. Then it'd be Isaiah. No, I said I, I said Isaiah and Horford and Hayward and Crowder. Oh, That's okay. Four. And then who's so the fifth? Think- I, I don't, I'm not sure who that fifth would be, whether they would decide to plug a Morris in or, and go a little bit bigger, or they would put in Jalen Brown or Tatum. That's what I'm saying. I think there's going to be – that Stevens is going to yeah. look at the, the, the team across from him and say, well, these guys don't have anybody over six foot nine in, in, their, in their starting lineup, and they're all between 6'3 and 6'9, so let's throw Jalen Brown out there tonight. Whereas – if they need to go a little bit bigger, maybe he goes to Baines or Zizic or, or even Morris. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I just I think that the way things are shaping up, he's going to be able to mix and match, and there's not going to be a set starting lineup unless somebody outside those those top four players that I just named blows him away. And maybe it's Marcus Smart. Maybe Marcus Smart is the veteran on this team, or he is the veteran on this team now. He's been there the longest. Maybe he's the guy that they just trust to get things done, and he steps in. But like you just said, he's not the guy you want guarding the quickest guards in the league for an entire game. It's just interesting to me how one one trade sort of changes 
the make. I, I know I realize you know Old Nick left, and there were a couple of other moves, but there's like it seems like one one major move tra- changes the feel of the set, and I guess signing Hayward as well changes the, the feel of the Celtics from a team that might be too small to a team that might be too big. I don't know. I, I guess I guess we'll find out, but. It's interesting. No, I wouldn't say too big because they they were definitely – it's just one small player for one big player that they've swapped, basically. They were big before. They just weren't tough as far as big guys were concerned. I think they're definitely tougher now, so I wouldn't say they're too big. Uh, I'm going to throw the phone number out there, 323-642-1484, because somebody is on our board, but I want to also mention – that if you want to come on the air with us, you got to press one or else I'm not going to know it. So the number looks familiar. I'm not going to go to it unless I see that indicator pop up. Yeah. I'm not, sh- I, I don't know. I'm not sure who it is. Um, but just, just so the person knows, if you want to come on, press one, please. And I'll, I'll, I'll go to you. Cause I, if it's you, then it's been a long time. Uh, anyway, so yep, there he is. I knew it. It's gotta be, it's, got to be mad dog calvin it's a 207 it's a 207 it's got to be mad dog what's going on hey what's going on guys yeah what's up man there he is back from the dead what's up man man uh not much not much just just uh, i saw that you guys were on a lot going on with basketball in the last in the last month or so and and uh and and i and I saw your thing on on, on Twitter, Rory, and and there's there's definitely a lot to talk about. Yeah, what do you what do you want to get into? Well, I want to get a little bit into the Celtics, of course, and I wanted to get into a little bit. I I noticed on your on your um show thing that you were gonna it, it, your show um you know, on your docket that you want it, that you guys were going to discuss on um, Lonzo Ball. I also have an opinion about that as well. I bet you do. And and it, so as far as the Celtics go, they're talking about big, small defense, offense, and everything. And the thing that Hayward does is that it adds more talent to this team. It, it adds more talent. You're better than you were uh, a, a week ago. Definitely. Definitely. Nobody wants that. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, h- however the pieces work, you're better than you were. And this team still, in, the, in my opinion, and it's remarkable that th- that this team in the conference finals lost by I think I, I think it was um, 102 points in f- in the four games that they lost. They were outscored by 102 points combined, so that's that's a little over 25 points a game. So they're obviously yeah, not. They got killed. They're not close, and I know I know that they won a game game three in Cleveland, and 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 still that compounds the problem more. The the whole question is with the additions of uh, uh, with the addition of. Of Hayward and Tatum and everything, how much does this move the needle towards towards Cleveland? Not so much Tatum because he's a rookie, though I think that he'll be a he'll be a good scoring wing off the bench, and I think that he'll be very good in time. But how much does this move? The, yeah, move the needle 
towards Cleveland. I mean, Calvin didn't really answer that earlier. I, I don't think it moved it enough. Uh, by the way, Cleveland picked up Jeff, old friend Jeff Green, so that's going to be a huge addition for them, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll see how that goes there. But, uh, yeah, there, I, I would say that if, if I had to bet on the Celtics beating Cleveland in a series right now, I would not do it. I would say, okay, maybe they get two games this time and they don't get beat by 25 points a game like you just said there, Mad Dog. Uh, but overall, no, I don't think they're there yet. And that's why the, the, the idea of Paul George and Gordon Hayward being in Celtic green was so enticing because that would have gotten them even closer. Uh, but I, I still think that Ainge has made a play for the next three to four years, maybe even longer if instead of this coming year and he's just taking baby steps and this is another one of those small steps forward. But Calvin, you, you didn't answer the question earlier. What do you think? Yeah, Matt, uh, Matt I'm using my, uh, my pet chief's favorite thing that drives me nuts when NBA fans say is uh, the expression move the needle. I can't, can't stand when people talk about moving needles. Uh, basketball fans are heroin addicts all of a sudden. Uh, here's my thing. Like, do I think that it makes him the favorite against Cleveland? No, I don't. And Hayward is a, is a very good basketball player. Um, Morris, for you know all the things I said about like I'm not sure how they guard Tyree in this situation. I do think like they'll be they'll be better if you know if not efficient because nobody is at guarding LeBron because weirdly Morris is like one of the most effective LeBron guarders in the league, which again is not saying too much, but like com- comparatively, you know that that. Could be a couple of point swing here and there. In fact, he, uh, if you look at how like LeBron played against Detroit when they played two years ago in the playoffs, like Morris was sort of making life difficult for him, and the, the Cavaliers swept them, but it was like it was a really close sweep. In any case, like I don't, I don't necessarily think it makes them better than Cleveland, but I don't, I don't think they have to be like I don't think they have to immediately be, be better than Cleveland. One, there's you know we see how this team plays. There's a trade deadline coming up. Maybe they make another deal at the trade deadline, and maybe they maybe they don't. Maybe something happens to Cleveland uh, with injuries, or maybe they just don't shoot well. You know what I mean? There, there's all there's all these elements beyond like okay, we're not as good as them. That that's fine, but like there's a reason why the games are played. Like you should still be as good as you possibly can be, and the Celtics are sort of making progress in that direction. Their guys are getting better. Uh, you know, who knows what what Brown and Tatum bring into this new season? Maybe they'll improve. Uh, maybe guys gelling together who we haven't seen play together before. Maybe there's a certain way people play off each other. Maybe, you know, the Celtics end up moving Isaiah to the bench, even though I think that's unlikely. But maybe, you know, they find a, a sort of big lineup that works against Cleveland better. I don't know. There's, there's so many variables that I, I think it's it's always worth trying, especially of getting a guy of, of Haywood's caliber. And I, again, Haywood's not one of the best players in the league, but he's a he's an all star caliber player and he defends well too. So I, I don't think there's any downside in getting. Uh, Calvin, I want to circle back on the Paul George stuff uh, in a okay. little bit, but I'm curious to see what Mad Dog's thought on Lonzo Ball is. So, uh, Mad Dog, what do, what do you see yeah. with Lonzo Ball here? Because he's been equally criticized and praised throughout the first few few days of summer league. Well, and I just want to say, like, I, I, I don't think that. I think it moves them closer to Cleveland. I still don't think that they're. I still don't think that that it makes up 
makes up uh, uh, the, it, 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 the average margin of defeat twenty five. It, it may move it to it may move it to ten or fifteen, but it, it, it's still not there to where uh, to where to uh, to where you're going to have to be to beat Cleveland. But as far as, and Calvin, this is a question for for you in that. Okay. In that, because you because you are the Lakers guy here, you you know just about everything about the Los Angeles Lakers. So I I want to know about, and this is what my opinion about Lonzo Ball is. Okay. The the, the summer league is it, it's not organized basketball. It's not it, it, it's not fundamental basketball. It's it's a bunch of guys just trying to show 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 off their skills. It's what I, I always look at summer league uh, as as and and Lonzo Ball struggling go, going. I think it was, it was two for fifteen the other night. I I I think that Lonzo Ball is going to be what what he's advertised to be. I think that he will be a great passer. I think that he'll that he'll make guys better. I think that he will that that he will set guys up. Do I? It, it, but do I think he's ever going to be a scorer as a point guard? No. I I think that he'll be adequate at it. I don't think I I I, I think that uh, that he has a long way to go as a scorer in this league. But I think that he will be a very effective player, and, and he will make them better. Better now. How much better? I I don't think you guys are are going to be great in the West this year with, with how loaded the West is. But I think that you will that that he will in time become a very good NBA point guard. And all this stuff and just all all of this build up, build up, build up for a summer league game. It's just it, it, it's just again. Again, this isn't structured basketball. You can't take too much from it, and that a lot of these guys on uh, on these rosters are not going to be uh, are not going to be on NBA rosters. And so I, I I personally never take much out of summer league play. But I I just want your opinion overall on on Lonzo Ball. What do you think his, his uh, what do you think of him in, uh, as, as a prospect? And I, I also wanted to um, ask you, Calvin, and then and then I'll 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 just listen to you guys. Is that what do you think about uh, Brandon Ingram going into his second year? Obviously, he had some struggles last year. I told people that he 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 may need a year physically to adapt. It, 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 he's gained a little bit of weight, but but he hasn't put that much. On, I'm just wondering what your impression is. Obviously, it sounds like Magic has a very high, a very high opinion on him, and and I would just like your opinion about 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 Lonzo and him, and what direction you think that the Lakers are headed. But guys, it's great to be back on with you guys, and um, it's it's definitely an exciting time now for the NBA. We just went through all of this crazy freak. Free agency stuff, and and for and, and and for us Celtics fans, we are going in in the right direction. It may not be immediate, but but we are going in the right direction. All right, all right. Peace out, guys. All right. So. Uh, all right. Lots to take in there, right, Calvin. So, what do you say? Yeah. 
So I'm going to avoid talking about my, my overall thoughts on Summer League too much because I, I told you we'd be saving that for next week and sort of the impressions of how guys have played because who knows what topics we'll have next week. We have so many other things to get to. So I'll, I'll save the overall sort of Summer League impressions even on Lonzo until next week, but you can just talk about him and Ingram overall as players if you don't mind. Um, and, you, you, you know, feel free to react as well. My Yeah, my my thing on Lonzo is like, yeah, his, his athleticism is not through the roof. And, and it's never going to be through the roof. What, what it, the thing about Lonzo is, like, is he's, you know, pure instinct for player movement, court vision, all these things that, like, sound boring on paper because he's not, even though he is 6'6 and, like, does have some pretty good dunks, his, his like, off-the-dribble game is, is not fantastic. But the, the one thing he did in college phenomenally, or one of the things he did, he, he shoot the ball in, in terms of, like, range and not just to juxtapose him against Ingram, like, Ingram also shot the ball pretty well in college, but he shot, you know, a lot of uh, college threes, sort of 20-foot uh, threes, and that, that shot so far hasn't translated to the NBA. And, like, that's the, the – like, Ingram missed a lot of shots last season. If you, if you followed the Lakers at all, like, he was, he was, like, a lot better near the end of the season. He was also terrible defensively in the first half of the season. Now he's sort of – he's, like – he doesn't have the quickest feet because he has that length, the wingspan. He's he can block people from behind, or basically, he doesn't have, really even have to be that close to the guy he's defending to block him. So I, I think now that he's sort of getting the, the spacing down better, he like he's been a lot better as a defender, sort of as, as well in, at the end of the season and coming into the summer league, whatever on that. But the point is, is like I, I Ingram is on a good track, except I, I think that he's going to have to learn how to shoot at some point. Lonzo, I. I believe can shoot. It's just a matter of like, you know, can he get that shot off quick enough in the NBA? Uh, that remains to be seen, but I, I think just, just as sort of a, a ball handler and uh, a passer and a distributor, I think worst case scenario, if Lonzo can't get that shot off, then Lonzo yeah. is Ricky Rube because he, he can rebound. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I was going to say, yeah, he, yeah. He, 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 at best, like, Highest ceiling, he reminds me of Jason Kidd, not Magic Johnson. You know, like people are dubbing him the next Magic. That's ridiculous. I don't think this kid can really shoot. And I've said it before. I said it even after just seeing him for, for what, four or five games over the college season. I didn't see a lot of his his games. But what I saw, uh, I didn't think that he was a, a, that great of a shooter. Now, he's made some deep shots in, in the summer league, but he's also taken some really bad shots. And I think that – unless he kicks that habit of taking bad shots, the coaches are going to clamp down on that at some point, And they're not going to let him take those shots because he's not going to be on the floor. And uh, I mean, nope. maybe for the first year or so they let him run free and take whatever shots he wants. But at some point, if he's not taking good shots and he's just forcing it and not getting a shot off as quickly as he needs to, they're going to have to put a stop to it and have him focus on, on the passing and running of the offense. So I'm, I'm just but not sold on him as, as a superstar type of player. We'll have to wait and see. If, but if you're an analytics guy, it's, it's the opposite. It's he takes, he takes no bad shots. Like that's, that was really the criticism of him coming out of the draft is like, does he even have a mid range shot? Because he took seven mid range shots all season. If you look at his no, 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 no. See, now you're getting into a different definition of good or bad shots. I'm talking about 
shots that were out of early in the shot clock or uh, just out of rhythm in the offense or a shot that was defended when he could have given it to somebody else and worked a different play. I'm, that's what I mean by a bad shot. I'm not looking at analytics here, whether you're taking a shot at the rim or you're taking a three or you're right inside the line. I don't care about that. I, I'm talking about from, from a, just looking at it with your eyes. He, 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 doesn't seem to make good decisions about when he's going to shoot. So, so if you're not if you're not counting when they go in, then you might be, then you might be accurate. Because if you, again, if you look at his co- in college, his his like shooting percentages in terms of his true shooting and all that stuff were miles ahead of even Fultz. He's like 15 percent higher than Fultz. Like his his shooting percentages in college were phenomenal. If anything, you can criticize him for for passing up shots too often. In that's something that I that I saw in the summer league being too passive, being a guy who you know when a guy is on him, not even like trying because he doesn't hold the ball at all. He sort of makes he makes passes or, or sort of tries to do one move immediately, and if that isn't there, he passes the ball. That that in my mind is what's going to hold him back from being a, a superstar type player if if you know if he can if he's even accurate enough with the shot is that he's he doesn't have the mentality that it takes in this. NBA to like become that superstar. He just doesn't care. Like he doesn't. Not that he doesn't care. It's he like his style is to just like get rid of the ball so quickly that I I don't I have a hard time even imagining him taking that many shots in an NBA game consistently. And well, that like would be good. Shots, the shots that he does take are it's either a layup or a three. Like that's literally every every single one of his well, shots. That, that would be one, good for one you. Of those two things. That would be good for you, but I, all I'm saying is now what after a couple summer league games, I've seen him play maybe six or seven games between college and summer league. I, okay. Maybe I'm biased here, but I tend to think that, that he's forcing shots and, and just taking shots that if I were a coach, I would say you need to either get more open before you take that shot or work it around and run the play again because there's plenty of time on the shot clock and you force that thing. That's, that's just the way that I've looked at him. And I, I don't know. We don't want to really get, we'll get too into deep the, into the summer league yeah. stuff. Go, so the, anyway. The, yeah, the summer league aspect of him we'll get, we'll get into more next week. In fact, let's just move on from him entirely. Because yep. like, I, I yep. sort of feel like I touched on him. Um, like, I, like I said, Ingram needs to learn how to shoot. If, he, if, he, when he, if or when he develops that outside shot, I, I think he, his star outlook, his ceiling is much higher than Lonzo's. I, I, I think it's like the, the, the notion that like Brandon Ingram was a bust. Like I, it, I found he's weird even last year. Like he got off to a slow start. But like you can see, you can see all the potential in the world there with that guy. And I would not bet against him. Not yeah, I just have to, I have to question a lot of these guys' conditioning. And that, I know that's another summer league topic. We can dive into it next week. But it just seems like more and more yeah. every year, maybe teams are just being cautious. But it seems like guys are getting hurt. Uh, left and right here uh, as they come into the league younger and younger. Um, anyway, let's let's circle back to one of the bigger moves that has happened over the past couple weeks. One that uh, the one that got away really, right? The, the yeah. big fish that Ainge supposedly had on the line and he, <coughs> excuse me, he didn't, uh, he didn't put the right bait on or he didn't reel it in quick enough because it got off the hook and uh, Paul George has been shipped to Oklahoma City for a bag of basketballs and an Italian sandwich. Yeah, before we get to the Celtics part, let's just talk about the trade overall. 
Okay, so Paul George goes to Oklahoma City for in exchange for Victor Oladipo and uh, Demontis Sabonis. Yeah, so I guess you? Sabonis is the sandwich <laughs> and Oladipo is the bag of balls. Oh, what a terrible trade for the Pacers, and what a great trade for the Oklahoma City Center. Regardless of like whether or not Paul George is going to leave Oklahoma City at the end of the year, spoiler alert, he is. I, no, I don't think you should, I don't think you should be that confident. Did you hear what no. he said today, and, and that he would be a fool to leave if they got to the Western Conference Finals? I don't know, Great. Calvin. Are you wait? Are you ser- you're seriously getting fooled by this? What, let me ask you this question. If you're no, 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 no. I'm not getting fooled by it, but I think that you're showing a little bit of overconfidence here. I'm not even saying – look, I'm not even 100% confident he's going to the Lakers. I'm simply 100% confident that he's leaving the Oklahoma City Center at the end of the year. There's where my 100% confidence comes to play. But, Murray, let, let me ask you this question. You're Paul George, right? You just got traded to the Thunder. You left the Pacers. You, you know, you you got crapped on by the fans somewhat. You had to sort of deal with this ordeal. You tried to make it look like, oh, you were trying to do the best thing for the organization, but people still in Indiana are still mad at you. You arrive at Oklahoma City. Do you? What are the odds that if you're asked about whether or not you want to leave at the end of the year to go to the Lakers, that you're going to say, yeah, I probably don't want to stay here at the end of the year and go to the Lakers, considering the fact that Oklahoma City no. can still trade you. Of if course, they, he doesn't like, have to course. come out and say that to 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 squash the the rumors that he wants to leave. But at the same time, the way he said it, the way he put it, he doesn't have to say that either. He doesn't have to put, make himself look even more like a fool next year if they end up going to the Western Conference Finals. He's left the door open. For, to do whatever he wants to do, and I still—that's why I think that that it, you shouldn't be that confident that he would just leave. If he and Westbrook play well together, and they end up being the the next big tandem, and and the, the Stephen Adams steps up, and the rest of the team plays really well, and they go to the Western Conference Finals, he would look like a fool for w- walking to the Lakers or somewhere else. No, he would look like a fool for walking to the Lakers if someone else wasn't going there. But, A, Westbrook himself is going to be a free agent. And then, and then there's the LeBron thing. We haven't gotten into the Cavs yet. But, like, it's every, everything is going – I mean, we got into Cavs a little bit. But everything is going down the tubes in Cleveland. Whether or not LeBron goes to the Lakers, like, I, I – I'm, if I'm 100% confident that George is gone, I'm, I'm a good 85% confident that LeBron is, is leaving the Cavaliers at the end of the next season. I mean, you look at everything that's coming on with him, the way they undercut uh, Chauncey Billups and his offer, and he ended up declining that job. Uh, is sort of the way all of their trades have fallen apart. The report about Cavalier players telling Jimmy Butler, like, don't come here, and Jimmy Butler telling Chicago that he didn't want to go to Cleveland. All of these, all of these things coming out, like, what do you think? All, if, if, LeBron, if LeBron refusing to be involved in, like, uh, any sort of trade or free agent recruitment process. Like when when LeBron has been the guy essentially like signing contracts himself for this season, like all of these things make me, like I said, extremely confident. Not that he's yeah, he's out. He doesn't care. He's out. He's, I, he's that's going to be he's beautiful when he leaves Cleveland again. People yeah. are going to kill him, and you're probably going to be really happy because where else would he go? Uh, I mean, I guess he can't go to the Clippers now, right? Because they sort of. They sort of made their moves, but uh, uh, who knows? In, in, in this situation, they they could end up freeing cap space somehow. But you know what? If if LeBron really wants to make a name for himself and he wants to go down as the best ever, he should pick a team that hasn't won in pretty much ever. He should go to like the Orlando Magic or 
uh, I guess Sacramento's kind of gotten close at times, but eh, sort of Orlando sort of has too. Uh, he should go team up down in New Orleans with uh, with Anthony Davis. He should do something like that if he if he really wants to stamp himself as the greatest ever. And that that's that's the way to do it to me is to win in multiple cities and not be chasing the Los Angeles Lakers. He should he should go somewhere else. That's that's LeBron's legacy to me, and I would actually respect him more if he did do something like that. Yeah, but the thing is, he's he's already done that. He he did that, he did that for Cleveland. So like that element of his legacy, oh. he can he can essentially all all LeBron has to do now is win more titles. He can win those titles anywhere. It doesn't it doesn't like that element of the story of like going somewhere and, and being the guy to to bring that team up from his bootstrap. He already did that in Cleveland. He already won twice in Miami. Like. He can literally do anything, and it really does not. Yeah, like but I just I feel like it would it would be more impressive if he did it at a fran- to a franchise that was l- literally nothing for the last forty years, as opposed to the Lakers, who uh, by all me all, all accounts are one of the greatest franchises in NBA history, and quite frankly, Calvin have been an embarrassment for the last two years. So. If you, if, you, if, that's, if this is if your angle is that he wants to resurrect the Lakers, then I think that's yeah. BS because the Lakers should be able to resurrect themselves without luring LeBron in. Well, you but you're talking about it from the Lakers side. Like what does like LeBron? What does LeBron care about like protecting the Lakers' legacy? From the perspective of LeBron's legacy, a he, the, the Cavaliers were a franchise that did nothing for 40 years, and then LeBron arrived and, and brought them to a title. So like right, so he's going to do it again. I don't know why. He, but he doesn't have to do it again, though. That's the thing. Wait, like, why, it would be more impressive if he did. That's all I'm saying. It would be more impressive if he, if he did that than if he went to a franchise that is in shambles because of their own poor moves and tried to Look, resurrect I, them. <laughs> if the Celtics were in the same spot right now, it would be the same, saying the same thing about Boston, that it would be more impressive if he were to go to Phoenix or Utah or something like that and, and win there as, as opposed to coming and helping the Celtics get back to – glory because yeah well the it, would, it would be more impressive it themselves. If, if, yeah it'd be more impressive if gordon haywood went to utah and, and restored them to their glory if that's you know what I mean? that's what we're talking oh, about please. those but, players aren't even on the same level it's not even close come on let's be serious here gordon hayward is is a top 20 player at, at best lebron james is arguably the mvp let's back right, off I'm of that we're talking about what's impressive we're talking about what, like the idea that someone has to go do the most impressive thing. Yeah, Kevin Durant, instead of going to the Warriors, should have just, like, he should have gone to the Magic. Except then he wouldn't sure. have a title. And you, yeah, you, you can say, yeah, he should have gone to the Magic, but then he wouldn't have a title. He'd be sitting there disappointed while the Warriors are Cavs celebrated this year. Like, why not, why not go set it up so you can win? And why not do it where you want to? But I, I think the whole thing with LeBron going to L.A., the reason people think he's going to L.A., is it's the whole his wife apparently wants to come here and the whole entertainment mogul thing, which, like, don't get me wrong. There's a thing yeah. part of, again, we'll, you know, down the line we talk more about LeBron potentially coming here. But, like, the whole thing, while, while sort of cool, is also annoying, so I get it. I'm not – I hate LeBron, so, like, I'm not 100%. I'd rather have Westbrook and George both come here, to be honest with you which is, like, I don't think is off the table, but... No, that's probably the best-case scenario for you. Regardless, I don't... We, we, yeah, we went down to, too long road down the Lakers, except let me let me say this for the Lakers, because people are flipping out about how, like, cause the Lakers are, are $17 million under the cap, and uh, they have yet to be able to find, you know, a free agent to, to give that $17 million to you on a one-year deal. But the thing is, it's like, there's... 
all kinds of teams have had all kinds of money in this offseason. Yeah, the cap didn't go up by as much as we thought, but there's still been plenty of money to go around. Guys are still getting huge deals. You're not going to take a one-year $17 million deal if you can get, you know, a, a two-year $40 million deal or a three-year, you know, $60 million deal. So, like, Lakers fans who are flipping out right now, it's not a big deal. There's still a chance we can, you know, the Lakers could end up with, with uh, KCP. They'll end up with somebody for one year who they have to overpay, but it, it doesn't even matter because they're going to have to spend that money one way or another anyway. So it's yeah, if it's one yeah. year, then who cares? they got to get there. Yeah. To the floor. Um, exactly. All right. Okay. Shall we move on? No, so, no, no. We shouldn't. We shall not move on because we're still on Paul George. We just, we just uh, oh. sort of went all over the place. Okay. So ter- terrible deal because here's the thing, Rory. Going back to that, that conversation is uh, Victor Oladipo is under contract for three more years. So Paul George leaves. That's, that's where it was at. We got sucked into this Paul George Lamont thing. Paul George leaves at the end of the season. Who cares? If you're Oklahoma City, who cares? You get out from under that bad contract. And Indiana stuck with that contract for three more years. Now their best player is Oladipo? Like, what are they thinking in that scenario, Ray? And Sabonis is okay, I guess, but, like, he's not worth eating that contract. I Yeah, I heard that, uh, I heard that theory floated out there was that Kevin Pritchard really loves Sabonis. Uh, and... <laughs> I don't know how much I would believe that one, uh, but they, um, let's see, who did they, who else did they lose? They also got rid of uh, Monte Ellis. They waived him, and Jeff Teague signed with the Timberwolves, so they don't have a point guard either. Um, they're going to go with Darren Collison, I guess, or maybe Old Depot's their point guard. I, makes, that's, I don't know if I believe that, uh, but they they do have, oh, I thought, Oh, Miles Turner. That's the guy I was looking for. Miles Turner is their up-and-coming player. They're, they're going to try and build around him at this point. So it's just a matter of how how high you think his ceiling is going to be. And Thaddeus Young is who he is, you know. So they are a middling team right now, and you're right. I mean, they just they, they made themselves worse, but not bad enough that they're going to be a guaranteed lottery team. And I just – I don't know what they're thinking. I think I feel like, like Pritchard was insulted by the fact that Ainge wanted him to wait. And they said, you know what? Screw you. We're just going to make the deal. We don't. We don't believe that you're going to want to do it. So we're just going to make the deal. Bye. See you later. So I don't know. I feel like he might, he probably jumped the gun a little bit. And if he had he had done it on the Celtics' terms, I do believe. I don't. I don't believe necessarily the offer that was thrown out there that Ainge is trying to make you think he offered because I don't believe. I think if that was the offer, they would have been stupid to not take it. But I do believe that if they had waited until the Celtics announced they were signing Hayward, that Ainge would have come up with an offer similar to the the big one that it was floated out there. Yeah. I'm just going to, yeah. I, I'm just going to come right out and say it, right? Can Ainge, you know, look, look Ainge, ex, excellent GM. But when it comes to, like, this whole how you deal with other GM scenario and, like, Danny Ainge is, is basically like he has he has Boston fans on a freaking string, all right. Him like if, what what kind of world do we live in in which Paul George is traded and 32 seconds later uh, there's a there's two reports out uh, about Celtic trades offers 
that were that were uh, denied by the sender. Who do you think is releasing that information? If it's not Ainge, right? Yeah, it's no, it's it's, it's it seems yeah. ridiculous. It's it's definitely ridiculous. And you know, yeah, but that's what I mean. I don't believe that those were actual offers because Indiana would be foolish. He's just trying to make them look look dumb. But the reason that they that he wants them to look dumb is that he they didn't do it on his terms. So, or on right. his timeline, I should say. Yeah, I I absolutely believe. Uh, I mean, I I can't. I guess I don't absolutely, but I I can believe in the idea that the first one at the trade deadline, uh, the, the offer that 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 the Pacers uh, uh, were offered by the Celtics, well, you know, all those number ones and stuff for George, because George at that the Pacers were like dumb enough at that time to think that George might resign with them, and there, and there was sort of also the notion that like if he had gotten that all NBA contract, uh, they could have offered him. I'm, I'm sorry, all NBA uh, team placement, they could have offered him a contract. Uh, that was, you know, $50, $60 million higher uh, than any other team, and the money would have made it impossible for him or more difficult for him not to sign. They were in a situation where they didn't want to move him for, for anybody. Maybe that trade offer happened, maybe it didn't. But, like, that's a, circum- that's a circumstance in which I can believe it happened, and it's understandable why Indiana wouldn't take that offer, right, including the, even for the Brooklyn swap then, okay? But in, in, you want to look at the trade that the offer that they made on draft day, apparently, which was, like, those three non-lottery picks don't really have – they don't have that much value. And, and two starters, uh, you know, one of them is probably Bradley, right, because Bradley would be a free agent after the season. Maybe they think maybe they think those two starters let, – let's, let's just say they made that offer. Bradley and Crowder in, in three lower-tier number ones. Yes, it's, it's better than the offer that the Pacers ultimately got, but, like, at the time of the draft, maybe the Pacers still thought they could get more. Like, they, there was never any statement that, like, hey – this this offer was made five minutes before uh, the, the the Oklahoma City trade. In fact, I'm sure George's value only went down more over time because that's how it works. And who and right. who knows if that's even a real offer? And even beyond that, I don't I don't believe it for this reason because there was there was the conflicting reports that, that the Celtics wanted to trade for Paul George, but they were waiting for the Gordon Hayward deal. Why? They 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 could have done that deal like. Uh, financially, if they'd thrown enough pieces in to, you know, to lower their cap a little bit by trading for George, which is what they were going to have to do anyway. So, uh, so the re- but the reason they didn't do it is reportedly that they wanted to sign Gordon Haywood first to to make the uh, to show Paul George how good of a team they were with the with the idea of trying to get Paul George to extend before he was traded there. And yet, when when the, the report of like the, the guys the Celtics offered to trade for George came out. There was if if they offered to trade all those guys at, at the uh, uh, on draft night, then at that point they weren't concerned about trying to get Paul George to resign. But then a, a, a couple days later they were because they were going to yeah. get Hayward and they thought we need, you know what I mean. Those two things conflict with each other and don't make sense. Like nobody nobody's even bringing that up except like Celtics fans are throwing that out there. Like oh well, I guess teams just didn't want to trade with the Celtics. The Pacers just hate the Celtics that much. Like you're, you're Danny Ainge is sucking you into this conspiracy theory that doesn't exist with this, with this like false conflicting information. This is what I'm saying. Like I don't buy any of this for a second. Again, because Paul George was not going to resign with the he was not resign. I mean, who knows if he would have resigned with the Celtics? What I was going to say was uh, Paul George was not going to sign an extension for the like at the moment that his trade happened, regardless of oh, how of he felt not. about Gordon Hayward, he would he was not even even if he, they traded him to the Lakers, that he was not going to sign an extension before he becomes a free agent. Paul George is not doing that because one, there's still the chance he can become All NBA uh, next season, 
And two, like, why would he take away from his free agency when there's a chance that there, there's another free agent player who wants to play for him and with him, and he would want that option open anyway? Like, if, if he went to the Celtics and he wanted to stay there after a year, he would still have that option open to him as they would be the team to have his bird right. But he, he would not be like, okay, you've got Gordon Hayward, I'll immediately re-sign my next deal. So, like, that whole, that whole thing was such a fraudulent situation. And I, I saw it all out there, like, oh, well, we're going we're gonna to sign Gordon Hayward and then get George. Maybe they would have done that, but they certainly would have done that with no guarantee. And if Danny Ainge wasn't willing to do that, which the indications were apparently that as well, then, like, that, that trade was never going to happen. And that's sort of what I believe. I think the trade was never going to happen because Ainge was not willing to commit to Paul George under the idea that Paul George might leave, and thus they didn't trade for him. But instead, it's being, like, you know, shuffled under this notion. And, and that, I think that that was the, the idea with most teams, and that's why Indiana had to take such a crappy deal, even though, that, in my opinion, that deal that they took, they were better off just letting Paul George go than trading for those deals. Anyway, sorry for the rant, but I don't buy it. That's my. <laughs> That's fine. No, Oladipo is definitely a, a, a uh, I don't know. A, it's it, it's a handcuff, basically. They they've handcuffed themselves yeah. with that contract because he's. I don't think that he's going to be worth it going forward. And they just. I don't know. They're going to focus on him and Turner, I guess. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens with uh, Indiana. But they look like they're shooting for the lottery for the next couple of years, and see what happens. Yeah with their young guys because I mean, Lance Stevenson, not going to get it done out there night in, night out. Al Jefferson loved the guy, but definitely passed his prime. So um, Indiana looks like they're hurting. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to come right out and say, I'm going to make a a wild prediction here. Right. I haven't looked at the other teams, so maybe there's a team with the worst roster, but I'm going to say Indiana will be a bottom three NBA team. Throwing it out there. Bottom three. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, just trying to think. What about, all right, the Knicks? Uh, well, they just signed Tim Hardaway Jr., man. 71 rated. Oh, please. Calvin, (laughs) get off of that, please. Will you? Uh, I'm not going to go Brooklyn on this one, even though I would really like to go Brooklyn on this. I can't. Um, I don't know. The Lakers are up there for me, man. I don't really trust what the Lakers have going on. How about Dallas? How do you feel about Dallas? Uh, I feel pretty good about Dallas, actually. Really? I mean, Dallas being bad. Pretty good about Dallas oh, being, being bad. Oh, being bad, yes, yes. I think that they're going to be down there. Um, and then, I guess otherwise, it's not. there's not really another team that jumps out at me. You might be right about this. Sacramento, I think they're pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, Phoenix... I guess Phoenix, Phoenix is, yeah, Phoenix. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to be down there. Indiana will be down there for sure. The Magic, I'm trying to think of the other teams that are sort of in this range that we're talking about. See, the about. thing about the Magic, though, is I think I think, I think Orlando's a little bit better than Indiana. I, maybe maybe I'm fooling myself, but um, I don't yeah, think I do, that Orlando is, is horrible. I, I think that the fact that they still have Vucevic is good. I think Fournier is going to be a, take a step forward. Wait and see what happens with uh, Terrence Ross, but they also um, picked up Jonathan Isaac, who I think is going to get a lot of playing time with them out of Florida State, and he's a guy that might be able to help them out defensively quite a bit. So I look at Orlando to be a, a team that's not a, as bad as people might think. I'm looking for 
uh, I'm looking for over under wins just to, see, to try to see who I'm who I'm missing. But I'm, all I'm finding is NBA title odds. Which, I mean, uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia's got to be down there too. They don't. They're not that great. Um, yeah, Philadelphia's a wild card though, right? So they could be. I mean, Sacramento's Miami. still there. I'm not a huge. Miami Miami hasn't really done much to improve themselves from last year, and they they barely made the playoffs with the Coach of the Year candidate, runner-up, Eric Spolstra. So, anyway. But they were, um, they didn't, they didn't we have about, we have about 20 were. minutes left, dude. Do you have a list game yeah. or something? Yeah, well, it's, I guess we can call it a list game, sure. Uh, a list of free agents, right, and how they did. Or, uh, well, yes. Let's talk about Chris Paul, actually. Because Chris Paul uh, went to the Rockets. Right? That's right. He was traded there. Yeah. Sign and trade, right? Yeah, in exchange for Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, uh, Montrezl Harrell. Isn't it Montrell? Montrell Harrell? Is it Montrezl? DeAndre Liggins, Darren Hilliard, Lou Williams, my boy Lou Williams, Kyle Wilcher, and a first round pick. First of all, can we talk about one guy being traded for seven guys in the draft pick? That's an amazing NBA trade. Right? Pretty crazy. Doc, I mean, Doc Rivers pulling the strings over there. I mean, how many of those guys do the Clippers even have roster space for? Like, the, Obviously, that's sort of a salary cap fitting situation. Uh, I don't know who they've cut so far. I'm, I'm guessing, I guess they, they probably have Lou Williams, right, because they moved Jamal Crawford and that other deal uh, for Gallinari. But, like, it was a situation where Chris Paul was a free agent the Clippers sort of had to get something, so I, I don't blame them too much for getting Patrick Beverly, a player who I love. Um, are you, you're a Beverly hater, right? Is that correct, or am I wrong? No, I don't. I, I think Beverly's great. I think he's a he's a he's a really gritty player. I think he's one of the best defensive guards in the league. Uh, he's a pain in the ass. I would love him on my team. I, I mean, I I, yeah. I hate I hate when the Celtics have to play against him, but and I think right. he can be a punk sometimes. But yeah, he's a great player. So, I, yeah, I don't know. Here's, here's the thing, Ray. I'm not sold that this is going to work for the Rockets. I, I don't know where you're at, but everyone's like, oh, I guess the Rockets are the number two now. Uh, uh, and Antonio uh, moves down to three. I'm yeah, not sold know. this will work. Yeah, I feel like Chris Paul is going to hate James Harden. Am I crazy? <laughs> I mean, doesn't Chris Paul want the ball in his hands and he wants to be able to set guys up and he wants to score a little bit himself, whereas James Harden just yeah. wants the ball at all times? Chris Paul is like – Chris Paul is the opposite of what I was saying about Lonzo earlier too. It's like Chris Paul – and I'm saying this to somebody who loves Chris Paul, but Chris Paul is a dribbler. Like Chris Paul likes to dribble around back and forth, changing tempos, like waiting to set up. Like that's the opposite of what Houston's offense is. And James Harden, essentially, when he was on the floor last year, like he had the ball in his hands constantly. They're constantly moving the ball so, out to three-point shooters. Chris Paul, who is a good three-point shooter, is more of a pull-up guy. He's not really a catch-and-shoot kind of guy. Um, it's not his specialty. I don't. I realize when you have the opportunity to trade for one of the best players in the league, like I get, I get why you do it. So this can, is this is know, the question I have for you. Is this is this a front office decision straight up, or do they go to the coaching staff and do they go to James Harden and say, hey, do you think you can play with Chris Paul before they pull the trigger on this thing, or do they just say we can get Chris Paul? Do it. Um, I, th- I think it depends on the front office. I mean, if it's Daryl Morey, I feel like he just doesn't. Like you know what I mean? Like how, how many times have the Rockets sort of changed their their team composition from year to year? Uh, based on a move that Maury wants to make. 
for whatever reason, and the coach sort of has to roll with it. Uh, I think uh, D'Antoni, even though he was coach of the year, uh, I don't think he has too much power in, in Houston when it comes to free agency decisions or trade decisions in this case, I guess. So, I, yeah, I, I think it was Maury. I, I get why you have to do it because I don't think the Rockets' ceiling was too much higher than it was. And I talked earlier, you know, before about sort of Harden flaming out in the playoffs and, and the, me having some questions there. And although you can – some people would make the same argument about Chris Paul and are there questions there, but I, I don't think Chris Paul has played poorly in the Celtics – I'm sorry, in the Celtics. In the playoffs, uh, his teams have just come up short for a, a myriad of reasons. But the point is, is like I don't, I don't see how that offense works that well. I think – in Chris Paul is still a, a great defender. In you know he's every bit the defender that Beverly is. So I, I don't worry about them on that end. I don't think again he's not the three-point shooter that Beverly is on catch-and-shoot situations. He wants the ball a lot more. And James Harden's usage rate extremely high. I just I see this team, and maybe they work it out over time. I think when you have great players, you sort of can sometimes figure out ways to to work around the, the way you have conflicts of interest. But I don't, I don't see it working immediately, and I, I, I don't know how long Chris Paul has on the on, on the clock in terms of continuing to be a great player past you know the next two seasons. So I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm I'm on both sides of this. What do you think, Ray? You overall, you feeling good about it? I'm not sure. I, I overall, I don't think yeah. that uh, that they're going to really fit. I just, I like I said, I think that Paul wants the ball in his hands, and like you said, he's a dribbler. So I just, I don't know, the way that James Harden plays, it seems like he's a very ball dominant player. He has, he he has it more than pretty much anybody in the league, shy of Russell Westbrook, I would say. Um, I wish I had pulled up that. There was some chart that I had seen that somebody was saying uh, if. So tie this back to Gordon Hayward. If if Hayward wanted to play with with a superstar that was also going to allow him to to handle the ball the most, it shouldn't even be Ricky Rubio. It shouldn't be, or it should have been Isaiah Thomas. And there there was this this list of nine or ten players, and uh, I, don't, I don't even remember exactly what the rating was, but they were basically it was basically saying Westbrook and Harden. Uh, have the ball for the most amount of time uh, comparative to their teammates in, in a game. And Rubio was up there and a couple other guys. And then Thomas was like ninth on the list. So the idea was that Hayward would get more touches if he came to Boston. So uh, with Harden and Westbrook being at the top of that list, it just makes me think that Chris Paul would not really be able to fit in uh, as far as deferring to, to Harden is concerned unless he's hit the point in his career where he's going to start saying, well, maybe I should just be a spot up shooter and I should hang out sort of on the three point line and defer to James Harden and win a championship that way. Maybe he thinks that that's, this is the best opportunity for him. So we'll see. Chris Paul's game might well, change this year, Calvin. Great. What about the notion? Um, and I, I think we're, we're running low on time, so we'll just wrap this Chris Paul topic up and I'll, I'll do the, the baseball topics real quick that are more relevant, and we'll do like a free agency potpourri next week. What do you think about that? Um, so there, there are like free agency deals that I want to get to, but I, I just think we're, we got 12 minutes left to the show, and it, the, yeah. the baseball stuff's not going to be relevant next week. But anyway, um, yeah, what about the report that like the reason Chris Paul wanted to leave the Clippers was that he hates Doc Rivers? 
And apparently, like, there's the notion that Doc Rivers was up, uh, I'm sorry, that Austin Rivers was available in the trade for Carmelo Anthony, but uh, Doc Rivers didn't make the deal because he's because Austin Rivers' son. Um, and sort of like Chris Paul really hates both of them. Like, what do you what do you do you put any sock into that? What do you think? I don't know, man. That's a tough one. I, I, I mean, I can totally see it because you know what, Big Baby was saying things as well about how Austin Rivers didn't deserve his contract, et cetera, and he only got his money because of his dad and, and all this. So it wouldn't be the first time that, that a player felt something like that, I guess. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me either. But at the same time, I find it a little bit hard to believe that that would be the only reason he wants to leave because they have a decent team there. And I mean, if he really thinks that the coaching is, is what's holding them back from winning a championship, then uh, I have, I have news for him. Mike D'Antoni is not the reason that Houston is going to win a championship or will have potential to win a championship. It's all about James Harden down there. So uh, he he should be aware of that before going to Houston. Yeah, I could see him more being tired with of, of always playing with the off injured Blake Griffin, right, and and wanting to go play with sure. James Harden. Then, but and, and my thing with Doc and his son is like, like Doc Rivers, and not not to bury him here, but he's like a notoriously bad father. Like Austin Rivers basically said, like he and Doc had no relationship growing up. They essentially have no relationship on the Clippers now. Like it's hard for me to think that like. Doc Rivers just loves his son so much that that uh, he, you know he's not wanting to include him in any deals and that he's like trying to jam him up. If anything, it's the fact that Doc Rivers loves all his players too much. He like overvalues all his players. He wants to trade for his old players. I think this is just like an overall flaw in in, in Doc Rivers' sort of GM uh, mindset, and and therefore like he you know didn't want to include him in the deal. But I do think like he should probably. Uh, you know, trade or or not re-sign Austin Rivers or, or, you know, have Jerry West just be the GM there because regardless of, like, whether or not he's actually favoring his son, anytime, like, I feel like anytime the possibility comes up that Doc Rivers might be favoring his son, it's going to reflect, like, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. It matters, like, whether or not Chris Paul thought it, right? And if Chris Paul thought it, then, like, you're yep. affecting the quality of that team and whether or not he wanted to re-sign there. If that was really a factor, and, and maybe it was, like, again, Doc Rivers should find a way to, like, either divest himself uh, of that position or divest himself of his son on the team. <laughs> it sounds cool, but you know what I mean. Like, one way or another, you you got to get rid of that conflict of interest or at least the appearance of the conflict. I agree with you there. In any case, right. Yeah. Yes. So, more more NBA free agent trade conversation to come. Summer League next week as well. Uh, in the meantime, Ray, I just had a couple of brief uh, home run derby things. All right? Uh, all right, bring it at me because right, I didn't uh, really pay attention right. to the home run derby. I just know who won. Yep, you know who won. Aaron, like phenomenal pace player. I like that he's right. you know, rookie six eight. Or, yeah, I like that he's just a monstrous human being because it just it makes you feel like oh maybe he's not doing steroids. Um, I know there's this notion that the ball is juiced, but like honestly, who cares, right? Like bring back steroids. I'm fine with it. I'm okay with it at this point. Like baseball is it's just less boring with home runs. Straight up. Yeah, steroids still, is steroids is tough on a human being though. Steroids is tough on the body. You don't want to bring back steroids. Hey man, your body your choice. It's like a, I think of steroids the same way people think about abortion. I'd rather ra- that's fine, but I'd rather have the juice ball and, and let guys then okay. put, be on steroids if they choose. How about that? Okay. 
might because then less guys would choose. I think less guys would choose steroids if the ball if they knew the ball was juiced. How about how about this? Pitchers have to pitch with tennis balls from now on. I don't think a tennis ball would go as far as a baseball. Yeah, you're probably right. Because you can only hit a tennis ball so far, right? Although I've hit yeah. a tennis ball a freaking mile, so I, I think maybe you could hit a tennis ball that far. Anyway. I don't know, man. I don't think a tennis yeah. ball would really carry that far. I think it would die pretty quick. Anyway, go ahead. So you didn't watch you didn't watch the home derby. Can I just say, Sean Bowstan is a cheater. He's an outright cheater, right? A cheater, huh? No. Yeah, he's a cheater. Here's the thing: there's a rule at the home run derby that like you can't you can't uh, be pitched your next ball until the first ball lands. Okay, Giancarlo Stanton got behind in, in the count. He in the the numbers. Oh, he he was behind. Time was running out, and the and the dude pitching to him just immediately started pitching him one pitch after another to the extent like the announcers were even talking about it, and nobody did anything to stop him. Stanton just kept hitting home run after home run over the wall and thus won his first-round matchup. And it was like, because he's, he, it was in Marlins Park, uh, and they you know they probably wanted him to win. I think Major League Baseball sure. wanted him to win. They did cheating space. You know, he was the number two seed. They wanted him to go up against Judge. That was sort of the whole thing. They were both betting favorites, they, even though they didn't get that matchup in the finale. Like, that's what they wanted. But, like, I don't know. When you, when you, and, and there's also the other element of, like, I'm not sure that anything was actually on the line. I tried to, like, look up if there were any prizes given. I couldn't I couldn't figure that out. So maybe you say, well, nothing's really on the line, and Stanton Stan didn't win anyway. But it was some, it was some pretty shameless cheating, right? What do you – should I be should – should something should be done about this, or should we just let it go? Um, I don't know, Calvin. It's the all-star game. Nothing matters about it. it. Nobody really cares, right? You're the only one that seems to care. I didn't even watch the damn thing. You know, it, it's like people aren't even paying attention to it anymore. They're trying to they're trying to jazz up the ratings and and make baseball fun again for for people. Let them let them do it. Let them do it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. That's fine. Well, speaking of making <laughs> baseball fun again, uh, you, you, you know they got rid of the thing where uh, the winner of the All Star Game decides home field for the World Series. Yes, I did know that. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. How do you feel about that? You think that's a good? I thing think or that's bad? great. I think that's great. Yeah, I think I, that the All-Star game means nothing and that the, you should – really, they should be going to a straight sort of uh, record type of thing because even though it's tough to do that because – and believe me, I don't know exactly how they're determining it right now. I just know that they're going away from the All-Star game determining it. Uh, but it's ultimately, you want to see what a team has done over the course of a season. If there's one team that – has clearly shown that they are the better team as far as the record is concerned, then they should have home field advantages, in my opinion. You know what I'd like to see in, in the World Series? How about, how about like, game one, just, like, in a neutral field in the middle of nowhere? You know what I mean? It could be, like, um, not even in the middle of nowhere. It could be, like, in a different location every year. Like, the final <laughs> four sort of... It's, it's like World Series in Indianapolis this year, Game One. You know what I mean? Okay. That'd be a yeah. cool little, that'd be a gimmick, and then that way it sort of really feels like neither league has an advantage if both leagues play three games. I don't know. Something, something to think about. I think that. I can get into but Bryce that. Harper, oh, yeah. Bryce Harper also has something to think about. Bryce Harper wants to change the All Star Game to where, like, instead of AL versus NL, it's like every play. You know, you you have the two leading vote getters become captains. And then they sort of pick teams from there. Like you hockey. On that? Hockey yeah, like does hockey that. Did. Apparently, or they hockey did that. Did that though. Yeah. 
Football didn't, didn't the NFL do that for the Pro Bowl one year? Yeah, they they did do it for the Pro Bowl. And, and this is what this is what I'm getting at, right? Is every sport in uh, baseball hasn't done it yet, but, but Harper suggested it. But the only sport where this makes sense to me is the NBA. Like, why hasn't the NBA done this? Wouldn't it wouldn't it be much more interesting if like just because of the politics of like if LeBron and Kevin Durant were captains, just to see who like they think the next best players were? You know what I mean? Yes. Who they wanted on their teams. There would be Definitely. so much more, like, there, yeah, there would be so much more feelings tied into that. And it's like the NFL, we, it doesn't work because there's so many positions and so many specialists. So many positions, yeah. Yeah. There are, yeah, there are normal pickup games. In, in basketball is a, a pickup sport anyway. Like, guys just go and they yeah. pick teams or whatever. Exactly. It, it'd be so much more like, well, who, who should they pick next? It's, it, rather than like, okay, now we have to pick a quarterback or – should I pick a running back? You know what I mean? You sort of have to fantasy, you have a 12-round fantasy draft as opposed to, like, these are the guys that I'm picking because I think they're the best. I don't know. It'd be such a more interesting thing in basketball than even in baseball. I'd want to see it happen one year, and I'm stealing his idea and changing it to the NBA. All right. Let's call right. Adam Silver and get him in on that because it sounds like fun yeah. to me. Very good show. I know we didn't get everything in, but uh, again, who knows what next week's going to actually have to talk about, so we're going to jam all this stuff in next time. Yeah, no kidding. We ran through that baseball stuff in just 10 minutes, so that's good stuff. Uh, Thank you to Mad Dog for listening and for calling in for the first time in a long time, months, maybe over a year at this point. Who knows? Um, Anyone else out there listening, much appreciated. We'll talk to you next week here on Careless Whispers. It was a good show. A lot of NBA talk, a lot of yelling. And uh, Calvin, yeah. there is an echo in here. I know there is. I Talk to you later, everybody. Good night, everyone. Have a good night, everyone. To know your song. What are you singing? Yeah, what are you singing? I'm like? singing. Um, I'm the, 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 the. We do a double shot, so 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 I'm singing. My first two is going to be "Tricky" by Run DMC. Nice. And and I'm going to do um. You 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 got to fight for the right to party right. by by a, okay. one of the best bands of all time, the Beastie Boys. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.